dinner on the first night when we arrived here and we were in the middle of a conversation and then suddenly my ears pricked to the sound of Mariah Carey singing a Christmas song. I thought, what kind of sorcery is this that we would be singing Christmas songs in September and I'm told it's a, a burr month, is this true? Listen, I'm down for it, my daughter and I, we love Christmas, but I am a little concerned because it says in the Song of Songs that you shouldn't awaken passion before the right time. And now you're sending me back to Australia who doesn't care about Christmas until like three days before with this passion awakened in me for Christmas. But what an amazing place to live and what an amazing people, servant-hearted people you are. We love you with all of our hearts. Well, in honour of the women this weekend, I thought I might preach to you a story about an incredible woman of faith who can teach us much. Women are great, aren't they? They're amazing. And this one is a particularly awesome woman. And it is found in 2 Kings 4 and verse 1 to 7 in the Amplified, if you would turn with me. Now, one of the wives of a man of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha for help, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant reverently feared the Lord. But the creditor is coming to take my two sons as his slaves into captivity in payment for a loan. And Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have of value in your house? And she said, the maidservant has nothing in the house except a small jar of olive oil. And he said, go and borrow containers from your neighbours, empty containers, not just a few. Then you shall go in and shut the door behind you and your sons and pour out the oil that you have into all of these containers and you shall set aside each one when it is full. So she left him and shut the door behind her and her sons and they were bringing her containers as she poured the oil. And when the containers were all full, she said to her son, bring me another container. And he said, there is no containers left. And then the oil stopped multiplying and flowing. And she came and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil in the marketplace, exchange it for freedom and bring your debt that, uh, and pay your debt that you and your sons can live on the rest. A familiar story, an old, an old story, a wonderful story that we're still celebrating thousands of years after it happened, but hopefully a fresh revelation today. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we love you. We honour your presence in this place. We adore you. We worship you. We've come here to be changed and for our hearts to be altered. We haven't come just to socialise. We've come to be changed and made into the image of your Son, so I'm asking, Father, that you would use my words, that you would use me to, to speak what you would want spoken in this day and that every word would reach the heart, that every person would receive the message that they need to hear today because we're asking in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. In this time of history, the prophet Elisha was God's representative on the earth. It was as if he was God. This was a really dark time in the days of Israel. The nation had turned away from God and was worshipping foreign idols. They were suffering greatly because of the immorality of its leaders. They had embraced a foreign culture which was anti-Christ or anti-God's ways. The last of the God-fearing leaders had been murdered or were fleeing for their lives under the wicked reign of Queen Jezebel. Many believers had abandoned their faith out of fear. 
And Israel was living under an atmosphere of fear, intimidation, hopelessness and despair. Famine had destroyed the land on top of everything else and left them in great need. People were struggling for their livelihoods and their lives and the lives of their families and their children. And they were confronted with the reality of losing their children to debt, the the loss of the next generation, feeling trapped and heavily burdened with circumstances that they could not resolve in the natural. And I don't know about you, but when I read this over the last few weeks, I began to think that this is not unlike how we're living today. We're living in a world that is getting darker and darker and turning away from God. And yet in Romans 5.20, it says, where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. And sometimes when we live under governments and under authorities that are, that are not of God, we can find ourselves like this woman inadvertently in this place where she could not save herself. There was nothing that she could do living under the rules and regulations of a, of a godless society. And the Bible calls these kind of burdens a yoke. A yoke was that wooden instrument that was clipped over the necks of two oxen that would force them to walk in the same direction and plough the land. They were not free while they were yoked together. They had to move together. It was, a, it was bondage to those cows and effective for the farmers. This was this yoke. Wherever they went, the other had to go. And sooner or later in our lives, we will find ourselves yoked to a problem that will follow us around that is really difficult to break free from in our own strength. What we need is the strength of the Holy Spirit and of God to break us free. And this is an effective strategy of the enemy to keep us locked into or yoked to a problem, maybe a health problem, maybe a financial problem, maybe a family problem, a problem that follows us through life that we can't seem to break free from and this is what was happening to this woman. She's facing a future of captivity for herself and her children, but she wasn't going down without a fight and neither should you and neither should I. She was the most vulnerable of vulnerable people in her day. She was a widow without any help of any kind, no welfare programs, no government assistance, no man to protect her and her family. But don't make the mistake of thinking that she was a helpless woman. She was not a helpless woman. She knew exactly what to do. She knew exactly where to go and her faith was in the one that could save her in this situation. She was a woman of enormous faith and we can take some lessons, five simple lessons I wanna share about the life of this woman and what she did when she was facing a difficulty in her life that she could not change herself. Number one, decide who you will turn to first. First, when confronted with bad news, she didn't run to her family, her friends, her neighbours, the bank, the community leaders, the police. She ran straight to God. This was unusual because she'd lost her husband who was a man of God and she had reason to be disappointed with God, but it did not stop her from running straight to the one that she loved and trusted with all of her heart. So who do you go to in the point of crisis in your life? because a crisis will quickly inform you where your faith lies and the true nature of your relationship with God. Where do you turn to? Proverbs 18 and verse 10 says, the Lord is a mighty tower where His people can run for safety. 
Where do you run to in times of trouble? Where do you get the advice that you need to get breakthrough in your life? We live in a world that, where there is no shortage of information, no shortage of advice, no shortage of knowledge, yet, yet there has never been so much confusion and chaos and disagreement and uncertainty and ever-changing truths. But there is one who never, ever changes. He is faithful, dependable, reliable, wise and able and He has the solution for every issue in your life. His solutions may not be conventional. They may not be reasonable, but you will get your breakthrough. Psalm 91 and verse four says, He will cover you with His feathers and under His wings you will find refuge. That word find means that you need to look. Where are you looking for your refuge? Where are you looking for your comfort? Where are you looking for your breakthrough? He offers that refuge, but we must decide to access it. It's a choice. It's interesting, I discovered that chickens, when they've got little babies, when there is a predator flying, maybe a a hawk or an eagle or something flying, the mother bird does not run around gathering her chicks. She stands still and she ruffles her feathers and she calls for the chicks that come running under her wings. And this is this beautiful Scripture that God is trying to say. See, when the chicks are under her wings, the enemy has to come through mama to get to the babies. What a powerful picture that God is trying to say. In Matthew 23, 37, Oh Jerusalem, how often I have longed to to gather your children together like a hen gathers chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Are you willing? Can you hear Him calling you under His wings? Or are we too busy running around looking for solutions to the problems in our life in all of the wrong places? Decide in advance today who you will turn to when you're facing a crisis because we will all face them. It is a part of life. Number two, recognise the value of what you have. The very first thing the prophet said to her is, what do you have of value? In other words, what do you have that can be used to bring freedom to your captivity? And she answered, nothing but a little bit of oil. God is still asking that of us today. What do you have of value? It isn't that God doesn't know what you have or don't have, but that He wants us to recognise the value of what we already have. This is so important. So what is the most valuable thing in your life? Do you think it was any coincidence that all she had was a little bit of oil? Do you know how precious olive oil was in the days of this story? It was liquid gold because of its ability to solve almost every human condition. It was used for cooking, for medicine, for skin, for cosmetics, for cleansing, for lighting, for currency, for burial, for weapons, to preserve things, to perfume things, and most importantly, to anoint people for service for God. Why? Because oil is a symbol of our precious Holy Spirit and the anointing. And guess what the anointing does? It breaks the yoke. It breaks the yoke. And Isaiah 10, 27 says, It shall come to pass in the day that the burden will be taken away from your shoulder and His yoke from your neck and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. Is it any coincidence that the prophet would call for a symbol of the Holy Spirit as an antidote to her crisis in that moment? 
The only criticism we can make of this beautiful, faith-filled woman is that she didn't know the value of what she already had. And is it possible that you and I are wandering through life not really understanding the value of the oil that we already have? Is it possible that we've been walking around for years with yokes on our shoulders and problems that are following us when all along we have had the oil that breaks the yoke? Let's remember when we gave our lives to Jesus, He deposited something. What was it? The Holy Spirit. In 2 Corinthians 1, 22, it says, He has identified us as His own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first instalment that guarantees everything He has promised us. See, God has made sure that just like this woman, when all else fails, we have everything that we need in the little deposit of oil that He made in our life when we gave ourselves to Jesus. At our worst moments when we feel powerless and empty, we are not without a deposit of oil. And the oil is a person, our precious Holy Spirit. He is our helper. Jesus said, I know that when I go, you're gonna worry about me going, but don't worry because I'm sending a helper. I don't know what you think of when you hear the word helper. Oh, that's lovely. Maybe some help in the kitchen. Maybe some help with the cleaning. No, the Greek meaning of the word helper when Jesus called the Holy Spirit the helper is the one who forcefully snatches back what has been stolen. We must stop praying vague prayers. Help me God, help me God, help me God. When God is waiting for you to recognise that you have all the help that you need already on the inside, the oil of the Holy Spirit. You have everything you need to activate the miracle for your breakthrough and break that thing off your neck forever. He is the Holy Spirit who instructs us, empowers us, emboldens us, equips us what to do to snap off the yoke, to break free from that thing that is controlling us, to appropriate our healing, to access the provision of heaven, to get the truth of God's Word over our challenges and to snatch back everything that the enemy has stolen from us and our families families for generations. When Zerubbabel was building the temple that had collapsed, God gave him a powerful image of two olive trees and they were pouring oil into the lampstand to keep it burning. And the Scripture says in Zechariah 4, 6, And he said to me, This continuous supply of oil is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, the prince of Judah, saying, It is not by might, it is not by power, but it is by my Spirit of whom the oil is a symbol, says the Lord of hosts. And there are some moments in our life when no human solutions will do. And God is reminding us today that where human effort ends, the oil begins to do its best work in your life. And just like oil was to the people of that day, the Holy Spirit, He is soothes and He heals, purifies and softens our heart, comforts and provides for us, cleanses and lights our path, sanctifies and defends us. He is our companion, our comforter, our teacher, our guide, the one who convicts us of sin, the intercessor, the counsellor, the healer, the advocate, the sanctifier, the gift giver, the fruit grower, the provider, amongst all the amazing things. He is everything that we need in every situation for every problem in life. It is found in the Holy Spirit. And He's inside you right now. He lives in you. 
So what do you need from him today? Is it time for us to become reacquainted with the oil in a new measure? The precious Holy Spirit. How well do you know him? How often do you speak to him and partner with him? Or are you and I like the foolish virgins that didn't have enough oil at the moment they needed it the most? Is it time to reconnect with the precious Holy Spirit? Step number three, start looking for empty vessels. After the woman found her oil, Elisha instructed her to go and find as many empty vessels as she could. My question is this, are you so focused on your own emptiness that you've lost sight of all the empty vessels that are around you every day? Even in your family, in your workplace, in your school, in your university, on the streets. When was the last time you looked at your spouse or your child or your boss or the shopkeeper and thought, here's an empty vessel who needs the oil that I'm carrying? The miracles only kept going as long as she kept finding these empty vessels. And maybe your miracle will come when you take your mind off your own problem and start looking to the empty vessels that need to be filled all around you. Because God loves to work in you, but also through you at the very same time. So is the oil flowing in your life? Are you living a supernatural life where you're sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit and laying hands on people and bringing words to people and and, and believing and encouraging people. 1 Corinthians 10, 24 says, we should stop looking out for our own interests and instead focus on the living and those who are people living and breathing around us. There is no shortage of empty vessels all around us, even outside of the doors of this very building. And perhaps it's time to shift our focus. We will never know the full extent of the miracle that is waiting for us when we stop fixating on our own problems and begin to become the solution for other people's problems. Step number four, you've got to start pouring. The prophet did not conduct the miracle for the little lady. She had to do that for herself. She had to gather her strength and her faith and begin to pour. She had to partner with the Holy Spirit herself, not her pastor, not her leader, not her husband, not her spouse, not anything. She had to do it herself. And until we have a revelation that we ourselves have the capacity in the quiet spaces of our life to partner with the Holy Spirit and begin to pour Him out, we will never begin to live this truly supernatural life that we were born to live. The concept of pouring is commonly used in Scripture to describe the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 43 verse 3, I will pour out my Spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. Joel 2, 28, it shall come to pass after this that I shall pour out my Spirit on all mankind. And Acts 10, 45, all of the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. The Holy Spirit does His best work when He is poured out. He was never intended to remain dormant on the inside of you doing nothing. He longs to flow in you and out of you at the same time, touching the world all around you wherever you go, leaving an oil slick and stain wherever your foot treads. But we have to partner with Him and take steps of faith little steps of faith in reaching out to touch the lives of people around it. How do we do it? Serving. It's all Jesus did. 
He just served and as he served, the Holy Spirit began to flow out of him. Even as he's on the cross, close to death, he continues to serve the ones around him and lead them to Christ. When was the last time you asked God to use you to pour into somebody else? At some stage, we have to step out in faith. Do you remember when you were first filled with the Holy Spirit? It started with just a little and then it turned into a a torrent and a great flow. Every step of faith starts with just a little bit of pouring. You have to make a start and Holy Spirit will do the rest. Fear is the only thing that stands between you and living an incredible supernatural life where you are meeting the needs of others by pouring out the Holy Spirit that is inside of you. But are you going to be dominated by fear? Will we allow fear to silence us at a time in world history when they need the Holy Spirit's outpouring more than ever before? You will never know what's on the other side of your obedience unless you start pouring. Empty vessels are waiting for you, crying out for you. If if you knew, if you truly understood that inside of you was the answer to your neighbour's problem, to that sickness. Oh, oh, you're sick? Yes, I have the oil. Oh, you're struggling financially? Don't worry, I have the oil. Oh, your marriage is breaking down? Don't worry, I have the oil. We have the problem, the solution to everybody's problem. And the final step in this miracle process was the prophet asked her to take the oil to the marketplace. There is a reason why Elisha instructed her to go and take it to the marketplace. The miracle could have just happened in her home and stayed in her home, but the oil was intended to spill out way beyond her own life and her own home and into the marketplace. See, the marketplace talks about, it refers to the sphere of influence, the people that we work with and live with. We all have a different sphere of influence. This is this marketplace, the anointing, the oil was never meant to be just so that you could live a comfortable life, but so that you could take it out and spread it all around the marketplace. You have the answer, the precious oil, the solution to every human condition. And it starts with the people that you alone can touch. Your pastors can't go into your world and touch the people that you can touch, but you can, you can take the oil. And it starts by serving and the miracles will follow. It starts by seeing a need and beginning to serve and the supernatural will begin to flow out of your life. And I believe we are entering a season where God is going to use ordinary God-fearing men and women of integrity to flood the marketplace with the oil of the Holy Spirit that will not only break individuals free of their bondages, but entire nations, entire spheres of workforces, breaking yokes off your city. We need godly scientists and business people and medics and creatives and hospitality workers and educators all take the oil Spread the oil, break the yokes off off the marketplace where you have uh, responsibility, medical breakthroughs, inventions, financial solutions, film and television, everywhere your footsteps, every one of us in our different areas, taking the oil that we carry on the inside of us, truly being the light and the salt of this world. The world needs the oil that you carry. Paul put it this way, as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. 
poor means to willingly spend, to sacrifice one's life as a sweet fragrance to the Lord, a drink offering to quench the thirst of the God that we love so much. It is an act of free will, an act of worship to step out and pour the oil. So my question to you today is a simple one. Are you prepared to be poured out for the service of your God? Are you prepared to be emptied daily of this oil that you carry, knowing full well that when you step back into the presence of God, He will fill you afresh to overflowing? Or are you content to contain this precious oil on the inside of you, dormant and unused, when people all around you are so desperate for a touch of the precious Holy Spirit? You have the answer to every problem inside of you right now. You carry the key to unlock every yoke and every chain and every lock to anyone around you. Holy Spirit wants to pastor with you and with this church to to do your uh, your part in flooding the world with oil. He is a priceless gift, but He must be poured out through you And the answer you're seeking in your life today is found in the oil. So when the prophet said to that little lady, what do you have of value? Just a little bit of oil. Let's rethink the little bit of oil. It wasn't salt, it wasn't flour. It was precious. The most precious thing that she could ever need and she stepped into her miracle and broke the bondage over herself and her family because of the precious oil.